Would you turn your Bible, please, to Psalm 142, verse 4. Psalm 142, verse 4. Appreciate this wonderful music this morning. Our hearts have been blessed. Maybe bow together a moment in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Bibles that are turning now. For the people of God who have brought their Bibles to this house of God as we study the Word and hear from heaven. May thy Holy Spirit have liberty and freedom to speak to every one of us. Pray that someone who has never been saved will come to Christ. Everybody who has been saved will be given by the Holy Spirit a burden for lost souls. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 142, verse 4. Psalmist David had been running for his life. Saul had decided to kill him. David said one day, I will die at the hand of Saul. David was to be the next king of Israel. He was lonely. He was outcast. He had no friends. And in that dark hour, he wrote this song. We come to verse. This fourth verse. It sums up the way a lot of people feel today. He said, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Today we're living in an age when men think mostly of themselves. Very few take seriously the fact related in Genesis that we are our brother's keeper. We go up and down the land and find men and women and boys and girls afraid afraid to go on living, they're afraid to die. They look on their right hand, on their left, they cry out from their soul, no one cares, no one cares. They're lonely, they're left out. Sometimes their lives are filled with shame, sometimes with regret, sometimes they've never had the opportunity to hear how God loves them. And they say with David, Nobody really cares. Years ago when I was in the seminary, I worked downtown in Louisville, and I saw an old man, found out his name was Henry. Henry would walk the streets of downtown Louisville, had long, shaggy hair, unkempt clothes. I saw him in a department store one day, he was saying something to the lady that was waiting on him, I ordered him to say this, it really doesn't matter. Nobody will miss me when I'm gone. It doesn't matter whether I live or die. Some weeks later, I learned that Henry had died. One person attended his funeral. While I was in college, I worked with the Home Mission Board I served in Pasco, Washington for a while. One day we were starting, a, we were starting a, a church in a school building. We were having a Bible school. I was on my way to the Bible school one morning. 
I passed a little oriental boy. He had dark slanted eyes. He was selling newspapers. I said to that young boy, I'd like for you to come to our Bible school. Well, he said, Mr. What's a Bible school? I said, that's where we learn about Jesus, how to go to heaven when we die. And that little boy looked into my eyes and he said, Mr. Who is Jesus? I was in a revival meeting in a town on the Ohio River here in Kentucky. We went out visiting one afternoon, went to some houses and behind the house there were some kids playing. There was a little, I watched them play for a little while and there was a little fellow named Bernie. And uh, I said to Bernie, he didn't have his shoes on, no shirt, face was all muddy. I said, Bernie, we're having a revival meeting down here at the Baptist Church. And I'd like for you to come over tonight. That little boy right here in Kentucky looked up and said, sir, what's a revival meeting? Well, I said, that's where we learn about Jesus and how to go to heaven when we die. And that little fellow looked into my heart and he said, mister, who is Jesus? Years ago, when I was in Savannah, Tennessee, I was at Union University. I worked in a church, the First Baptist Church there. I was the pastor of the mission, associate pastor of the church. And we were having a revival meeting at that mission. It was called the Pickwick Mission. And I was out visiting one afternoon for the revival meeting. I went to this door and knocked on the door and a young lady, about 20 or 23, came to the door. I told her who I was and I was inviting her to the revival meeting. Well, she said, uh, Mr. I'm not gonna come to that revival meeting. I'm not even interested, but you can come in if you want to. So I went in and I tried to uh, talk to her about Jesus. She shielded it off all the time. And finally, I felt like it was useless and I'd wasted my time there, wasted her time. I got up to leave. Why, well, she said, now, wait a minute, mister. She said, I'll come to that revival meeting if you could get the meanest woman in this town to come. Well, I said, who's the meanest woman in this town? She said, she's my mother-in-law. If you can get her to come, I'll come. <laughs> Well, she told me where she lived and I went and got another preacher to go with me and drove out this road, came to the house, looked like it hadn't been painted for 40 years. Went up and knocked on the door. A little crack came to the door and I said, hello, my name is Richard Oldham. I'm from the Baptist Church. Bang, went the door right in my face. We stood there a moment and left. But God put that woman on my heart. Many weeks went by and it was in the winter time. I drove by that house again, stopped the car and went up, knocked on the door. A little crack came to the door again. I was a lot younger then and I just put my foot in the door. I said, hi there, my name is Richard Oldham. I want to come in and talk to you about Jesus. 
She didn't say a word. I just pushed the door open. She went over and sat down by an old pot-bellied stove. I pulled up a chair and sat it down near her, took my Bible out and began to talk to her about God and how much God loved her, how Jesus died on the cross for her sins. I held my Bible over, tried to put it on her lap. She just didn't say anything. She looked down at the stove the whole time I was there, just looked down there, didn't say one word. Just looked down there the whole time. Finally, I just got down on my knees and I prayed for God to save her. I got up and left. I kept on praying for her. It was springtime now. I drove back out that same road and I looked on the porch and there she was sitting in the swing. I, jumped, I stopped the car real fast before she could get in the house. And ran up on the porch, sat down on the swing beside her, and pulled my Bible out and put it over her lap. And I put my arm up around her and I said, now, I want to talk to you about Jesus again. And I want to tell you, God loves you. And I don't know what's happened in your life, but God cares about you and he wants to save you. I just talked to her a little while about that. Pretty soon, I saw a tear trickle down those old wrinkles and fall on my Bible. It wasn't long until Nettie Williams, who had spent 83 years living for the devil, opened her heart to Jesus, gave her heart to Christ. I had the privilege of seeing her confess Christ as her Savior and follow the Lord in baptism. About a year later, I was at another church in Guthrie, and I'd already gone back to the seminary. I received a phone call. They said, Nettie Williams has died. She requested that you come and have her funeral. So I drove back down there, went to the church, First Baptist Church in Savannah. The place was jammed and packed. And they told me as I came in, Nettie Williams didn't have but a year to live for God, but she sure did live for the Lord. And she touched a lot of lives in this city. After the funeral, I gave an invitation. Two of her sons were, two of, two of her grandsons were saved. Man. One of them was called to preach. He's preaching down in Hardin County, Tennessee now. now. This was an old forgotten woman, the meanest woman in town, but God changed her and God saved her. Man. I looked on my right hand and beheld there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Have you ever almost sunk in the despair and tragedy of loneliness and worry and anxiety and fear and sin? Have you ever wondered if anybody cared, if anybody loved? It's an awful thing to be going down in a, in a ship with all the water closing in. But it's far, far worse to go down in the awful sea of loneliness and fear and sin and raise your hand and there's nobody there to care. Thomas Gray walked through a country churchyard one day. He paused beside an unmarked mound and he wrote these words. Perhaps in this neglected spot has laid some heart once pregnant with celestial fire. Hands that the rod of empire might have swayed or waked to ecstasy the living liar. What was he saying? He was saying in this grave 
is a person that died a nobody who could have been a somebody for God that someone gotten to them with a glorious gospel. In the graveyards of Bowling Green and Warren County and all southern Kentucky, there are lives, there are people buried who died as a nobody to God and to people who could have been a somebody for God if someone had gotten to them with the glorious gospel. All around there are people that wonder, is there anybody that cares? There are teenagers that wonder, there are young people that wonder, there are children that wonder, there are kids that wonder, there are little children, little babies who just don't have anybody that cares. There are old people in nursing homes and all around us who have nobody that cares. Do you care? Do we really care about the souls of men? Who cares? I want to tell you this morning, there's some people that don't care. The Sunday amusement crowd that spends their all day Sunday before the God of a television, they don't care whether men live or die, go to heaven or go to hell. Those that turn Sunday into fun day and make it just a big holiday, they don't care whether men live or die, go to heaven or go to hell. Those that spend all Sunday afternoon buying their shirts and their shoes and their groceries and all those things, they don't care whether men live or die, go to heaven or go to hell. Those that guzzle their beer and drink their whiskey and uh, pop their pills and live profligate lives, they don't care. They may go to church, but they don't care whether men live or die, go to heaven or go to hell. Who cares over the souls of men? Who really cares? Well, I'm glad to tell you this morning, this book says that God cares. God cares. The Bible says in the beginning, God made man in his own image. In the image of God created he them, male and female created them. And God loved man. God wanted fellowship with man. And then the devil came along and deceived Eve and she gave to Adam and together they did sin. They went into, into the awful tailspin and midnight darkness of sin. The Bible says, by the sin of one man, sin passed upon all men. There's not a just man on earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Ecclesiastes 7.20 All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had to lay on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53.6 And over and over again the scripture says, They're an unclean thing. Their iniquities like the wind have taken them away. There is none that doeth good, no not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God's justice argued man must die because of sin. Because God hates sin. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's an old Jewish tradition that says when God was ready to make man, the angel of truth came before the throne of God and said, God create man not for when thou hast created him, his mouth will be filled with lies and hypocrisies. And the angel of purity came before the throne of God and said, O God create man not for when thou hast created him, his body and life will be filled with impurity. But the angel of mercy came and said, O God, create man. For when thou hast created him, his mouth is filled with hypocrisies and lies, and his life is filled with impurity, I'll go as the angel of mercy and get his hand and your hand and bring you together, thus symbolizing the love of God in Jesus Christ. Man deserved death, death, death. Every one of us deserved that. Everyone you can think of today deserved that because of our sin. Sometimes they're high sinners, sometimes they're low sinners. 
Sometimes there are sinners whose sins stink to heaven. There are others whose sins are so hidden nobody knows anything about them. They think they're pretty good, but they're all sinners. And God says the wages of sin is death. But God so loved the world. That means you and me that he gave Jesus to die in our place. Yes, God cares over the souls of men. This book also says that the Son of God cares Jesus. Jesus cares over the souls of men. How much does he care? I wish we could bring here the religious leaders of the day, of all the days and the years gone by, Confucius, Sarasta, Buddha, those others, Muhammad. Let's find out from them how much they love people. Which one of them was willing to die for the adherence of their faith? While well, they, none of them. Mohammed even, even had others killed who wouldn't come under his symbol. But Jesus, Jesus cared and Jesus loved. Listen to this passage in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus cares. I wish we could find some of those who knew Jesus in the days of his flesh and bring this to the, them to this pulpit. I'd like to find that, that woman that was taken in adultery. Now she was guilty. They found her in the very act and they brought her to Jesus and threw her down and said, now Moses in his law says she ought to be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus stooped down and wrote in the sand. I don't know what he wrote. Maybe he wrote the Ten Commandments. Maybe he had spiritual x-ray eyes and wrote what was on their hearts. I don't know, but he stood up and said, let him that is without sin cast the first stone. And then he stooped down and wrote again. He stood up, all, them, all those that accused her were gone. And he turned to the woman and said, where are those that accused you? And she said, no man, Lord. And listen to what our Lord said. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Hey, lady. I want you to come up here and tell us what you think of Jesus. I think she'd stand here and say what Lloyd said a while ago. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. I'd like to find that man that was crucified on the cross next to Jesus. He was a thief. He was a vagabond. He was a murderer. He was an insurrectionist. He deserved the death penalty. And while he was dying on the cross, he wouldn't even so much as look over at Jesus, but he cried out, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. The most beautiful words that ever were uttered came to his heart and his ear when Jesus said, Sir, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. It was just the outreach of his heart in anguish and heart cry, and Jesus met him where he was. I'd like to bring him here and say, Hey, thief, what do you think of Jesus? He'd say, Sir, don't call me a thief anymore. I got redeemed. And no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Safe were the ninety and nine in the fold. Safe though the night was stormy and cold. But said the shepherd when counting the more one sheep is missing, there should be one more. The shepherd went out to search for his sheep and all through the night on the rocky steep. 
He saw till he found him, and with love bands he bound him. And I was that one lost sheep. Jesus cares. But this Bible says not only does God the Father care, and God the Son care, but God the Holy Spirit cares. In John chapter 16, and when he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit loves and cares. He's like the hound of heaven. He seeks us and searches and goes day after day after day until he finds us and we yield to him. I want to demonstrate what that means. How many in this room today can say the very first time I heard the gospel, the very first time that Jesus ever spoke to me about my need of him, that very first time, that's the day I gave my heart to Jesus. Would you lift your hand? Is there anybody that could say that? The very first time I heard about Jesus, I opened my heart to him and gave it to him. I've asked that question in a lot of places. The highest I've ever seen are four. How many would have to say like I would? He stood at my heart's door amid sunshine and rain and patiently waited an entrance to gain. What shame that so long he entreated in vain, but now he is precious to me. How many would have to say that? Lift your hands. Yes. You see, the reason we can say that is because the Holy Spirit cares. He did not give up on you. He did not give up on me. He kept after us like the hound of heaven going after us. In I know God answers prayer. I do not know how God creates faith in an individual by the hearing of the Word of God, but He does it. And the Holy Spirit uses that Word to drive home to our hearts the message of God's love. The Holy Spirit cares. The reason, if you're outside of Christ today, the reason you're in tune with this broadcast or the reason you're in this auditorium is because the Holy Spirit has set His mark on you. And He's drawing you. And He wants you to come, come, come. But this Bible says not only does God in heaven care, and not only does God the Son care and God the Holy Spirit care, but in a way that I cannot describe to you, this Bible says that the damned in hell care over the souls of men. You say the damned in hell care? If you look in Luke 16, you'll find what I mean. There's a story of a man who died and went to hell. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He saw Abraham afar off, and he cried, Abraham, please have mercy on me and send Lazarus so they may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm tormented in these flames. And the voice came back from the other world, Son, remember that in thy lifetime thou didst have thine opportunities. But now there's a great gulf fixed between, between us. And there's no transference. We can't come there, and you can't come here. And then that man in hell, came before God and he said, Oh God, Oh God, I have five brothers back there in the earth. Would you not send Lazarus to them that they be awakened lest they come to this awful place called hell? And I will tell you today, 
I've heard some people say, well, I'll go to hell with all my friends. There are no friends in hell. I've heard people say, well, my daddy went to hell, I'll go to hell. There's nobody in hell that wants a son there. There's not one father, one mother that would ever ask for his son or daughter to go to hell. I've heard people say, go to hell. Terrible, terrible colloquialism, cursing, barnyard language. Beloved, don't ever say that. Don't ever wish for someone to go to hell. There's not one person in hell tonight that wants anybody else there because they know the terrors and the shrieks and the tyranny and the terribleness of hell. The damned in hell care. Sometimes I think they care more than the saved at the Glendale Baptist Church care over the souls of men. But that's not the end of the story. Not only does God the Father care and God the Son care and God the Holy Spirit care over souls and the damned in hell in a way that I don't understand. But this book says the saved in heaven care over the souls of men. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus said there is joy in the presence of the angels of God. It doesn't say Jesus rejoices, but I'm sure it does. It doesn't say the angels rejoice. I'm sure they do. I like the way the choir sang, ring the bells of heaven. There is joy today for a soul returning from the wild. See, the father meets him out upon the way, welcoming his weary, wandering child. Glory, glory, how the angels sing, and so on. I know that's true, but I want to, you, you know who's, who's in the presence of the angels of God? The saved people. Those who have once walked the earth, they've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They've laid their bodies down in death, and they are in the presence of God today, and God says there's joy over there in heaven over one soul that repents and comes to Christ more than over 99 just persons that need no repentance. Isn't that good? Do you know there's, today, there's possibly somebody over in the glory who has prayed for you, and God is about to pull back the veil and say, look, look down there at the Glendale Baptist Church. Look in that home where they're listening to the radio. Look down there. There's somebody about to receive Christ and all heaven waits and the moment that soul comes to God there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents there are loved ones in the glory whose dear forms we often miss when we close our earthly story will we join them in their bliss one by one their seats were emptied one by one they went away now the circle has been broken. Will it be complete one day? You can picture happy gatherings around the fireside long ago and you think of tearful partings when they left you here below. Will the circle be unbroken in the sky by and by? But I'm going to tell you, God cares over the souls of men. D.L. Moody was closing a meeting in Chicago and an old man was sitting in the back and just before the meeting closed he said sir could I say a word and Moody said say on the man came down to the front and here's what he said I grew up in a home that loved God my father and mother read the Bible and prayed had family altar he said they pressed upon me the claims of Christ but I rejected God I wanted to have my own way after a while, Daddy got sick, and he died. It was a sad time around the house. 
My mother begged me to take Daddy's place at the family altar and read the Bible and pray, but I wouldn't do it. I'd purposely stay out late at night, and when I'd come home, sometimes I'd hear Mother weeping and calling my name in prayer. Finally, I couldn't take it any longer, and I left home. I went to a distant city. After some months, word came, Mother is sick. If you want to see her, you ought to come. I thought I'd get up and go and cheer my mother's lonely heart. But then I thought if I go, I'll have to take my mother's God. I'm not going to go. Some time went by and received another message. Mother will not be here very long. If you want to see her again, you better come. And so I got on the fastest transportation, went down to that little place where my mother lived. And got off and had to walk out in the country. I had to walk by the old cemetery where Daddy was buried. And I thought, well, I'd just turn in and stand by my Daddy's grave a moment. It was dark. I stood there under the cypress tree. As I knelt there, I saw a new grave, some new dirt. And I knew in my heart I was too late. That was Mother's grave. I knelt there all that night. I gave my heart away to my mother's God. And said he, if there is anyone here who has anybody that cares for you and wants to see you saved, come while there's time. And that's what I would say to you today. Come. And to every believer, do you care enough to live differently, to love differently, to say, Lord, use me to be a witness and a soul winner. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. I want to ask you to think for a moment. First of all, if I died today, would I go to heaven? Am I certain that I'm saved? If I'm certain I'm saved, have I confessed Christ as my Savior and made it open? And have I followed the Lord in baptism? Am I doing what God wants me to do? If I've never been saved, am I willing today to know that God cares about me and I don't want to proffer that love and tramp it in the dirt. I want to give my heart to Christ. And if you're a Christian, I want to ask you, do you care enough to say by the grace of God, I want to commit my life in 1992 to win people to Jesus, to do what I can to reach souls for Christ. Would you say that to him? Our Father, we pray that just now, the closing moment of this service, the Holy Spirit would move in hearts. Some would be willing to say, oh, I care. I want to be a soul winner. I want God to use me in this year to win lost souls to Christ. 
And while we remain in prayer, many of us received a little slip as we came in this morning. Said, I'll be a witness. My commitment to be a witness for Christ. If you're willing to say that to the Lord, I want God to use me as a soul winner. And I'm going to commit my life to do it this year. I'll ask you to just get up and come and stand in front of this pulpit as an outward commitment that you mean that before Jesus, would you? While we remain in prayer, nobody looking. Just God is looking on this scene. Just get up from where you are and come and stand here saying that if you mean it. I want to be used by God as a soul winner. We're going to have a word of prayer, commitment. Just stand here a moment. Please do not come because somebody else comes. But if the Spirit of God gives you freedom and liberty to come and stand there, do it. Now, Father, only Thou dost know who's standing at this altar. I have not looked. I'm sure God's people in this auditorium have not looked because they've had their eyes closed. But you know, and we pray that the Spirit of the Lord would move across every heart, give us freedom and liberty to do that for Jesus. They would be effective at it. They would be soul winners. We pray that because of this stand today, that we'd go out of here with our heart aflame to see people come to Christ. Oh, God, forgive our negligence, our timidity, our busy schedules that prevent us from going. And may we be faithful to Thee. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand, please, with our heads still bowed. I can hear the Savior calling, take thy cross and follow me. And with our heads still bowed and eyes closed, everybody eyes closed, please, for a moment. If you're standing at the front, would you do your best to think of somebody that is lost? Maybe a family member, maybe somebody on your Sunday school class, somebody, a neighbor, postman, somebody you have something to do with somewhere. Would you ask God to help you this year to win into Christ? You see, we're not the winners. The Holy Spirit is. So we'd have to be filled with the Holy Spirit for that person to be saved through anything we would say or do. So that means living close to the heart of God, paying the price to care about souls. I'm going to ask you, after a while, to write your name on that little slip. If you have anybody on your heart that you'd like to see saved, write their names too. I'm going to ask you to leave it on the memorial table or put it in the offering plate. Or place it on the pulpit after the service. We're not going to collect them now. You may carelessly go out and forget it. I hope you won't because you're making a sacred commitment to Jesus. 
And I'd like to pray with you and know that you're standing by in this time of commitment to the Lord. So thankful for those who've gathered here. Our Father, please use us to win souls to Christ this year. Those who have come to the front, would you go back to your places now? Nobody's eyes are open. And we're going to sing that invitation hymn, I can hear the Savior calling, take thy cross and follow me. As we sing it, if you're here today and you've never been saved, would you come to Christ? If you're listening by radio and you've never yielded your heart to Jesus, would you come to him today? God help you to do it. God cares about you. Jesus cares. The Holy Spirit cares. The damned in hell would give anything if they could come back and warn you and tell you how awful hell is. The saved in heaven care. Do you care about your own soul? If you've been saved or you're serving the Lord and doing what he wants you to do, while we sing this, I can hear the Savior calling. Would you come, giving your heart to Christ, or come taking a stand to follow the Lord in baptism, or come to do what God tells you to do? That's page 385. Would you turn there and let's sing it.